This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. It's the MBSP. It's December 2nd. We're back, guys, for another great episode. Today, we got a lot to talk about, including... Our buddy Matt Patricia has left Detroit. Who's going to replace him and Bob Quinn recapping the NFL? But we have a very special interview, as we promised. Joe, tell us more about it. We got Ferris State chaplain Mike Wissing coming on the show today, kind of talking about his stories that he's had over the past couple years, especially with the success of Ferris State sports and his experiences with that, too. It's going to be super great. Uh, but anyways, let's swing it over to the interview. As we are now joined by Pastor Mike Wissink, team chaplain for Ferris State University. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome, Brandon. Glad sure. to be here. Um, first, starting off, um, um, you've obviously been here for quite a quite a term with um, the Bulldogs, and you've experienced a lot of moments. Um, what has been the most coolest moment with Ferris State Athletics? That is a tough question. I mean, there's always the, yeah, the the, you know, big prominent things. Uh, I was able to be with our men's basketball team uh, on the national championship run and, and be with them out in South Dakota when they uh, clinched that title. And that was pretty awesome. A uh, very special time to be with uh, Coach Bronkman and, and the team. Um, but there's also just the the opportunities to be along the sidelines and uh, watching watching practices develop, uh, hearing coaches give instructions, uh, you know, coaching players up, helping them to become better. Um, so those are some of the, you know, greatest times too, is just when nobody else is around and get a chance to see it and, uh, and just be in that inner circle, so to speak, and, Mm -hmm. uh, watch, watch that happen. Yeah. The other cool thing really that you do is just working with these student athletes and, you know, growing them, um, with your relationships. What's it really like to see, you know, when they come in as freshmen, first time they show up to FCA and meeting them. And then when they graduate as seniors, and then even when they go on to kind of do stuff in the real world. What's it like to kind of keep in touch with them and, you know, check in on them whenever, whenever you get a chance? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's a great, it's a great relationship. It goes by so quickly, um, that man, uh, you know, when they come in as freshmen and, uh, still trying to figure out, find their way to seeing, uh, some of them go on to play, you know, in the professional leagues, uh, it, it just happens so, so fast. And, uh, it's it's challenging to remain in contact with them. I, I wish I could do a little better job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big uh, texting social media kind of guy, <laughs> so uh, that that really pushes my limits a little bit. But uh, you know, every now and then I'll reach out to to some of our alums who uh, have been pro- playing professionally and uh, and just stay in touch with them. Um, you know, and I do see things on on uh, social media a little bit, so I'll respond every now and then. But um, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to, to be able to keep up, uh, and stay, you know, try to stay somewhat current with, with the athletes that are here. Um, that's, that seems to be more of my focus. And, uh, and so as they graduate, it's, it's like, I don't forget about them, but they're not here. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's the rest of the athletes that are still, uh, coming through the programs and, and being a part of our campus here and community in Big Rapids. So that tends to, to you know keep me focused in on on what's going here but yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And um, like you said, um, you're a big part of the um, FCS and FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Students and Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which me and Joe are both part of in our respective um, groups. But what what was the what was the the main focus coming in to 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 really taking over these programs? What what was the what was really drawn to start those? Well, when uh, I I inherited um, the fellowship of Christian students from a good friend and and a colleague of mine, James Karsten, uh, when he left in in eighty four. Um, to go pastor a church in Grand Rapids, I inherited his group on a Tuesday. That 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 group meets on a Tuesday night, and uh, and it was a thriving group, great group. Um, and uh, oh, about eight years into that, I started to really question whether I was the guy to keep it going, or if I needed to consider something else. And and God kind of stepped in and opened the door. Uh, through our men's basketball program. At the time, uh, we were uh, transitioning into a new head men's basketball coach who was Bill Saul, and, uh, and he invited me to be a part of his, uh, his program. And uh, as we talked about what that would look like, he, you know, he, um, he welcomed me to do uh, like a team chapel, team devotional with the guys, uh, and to offer prayer with the guys before, before our games. Uh, I got to travel with them, so we'd do that on the road. Uh, we'd do that here at home. And, uh, and then that opened up another door the following season with football, and pretty soon it just kind of began to mushroom uh, and grow to the point where I couldn't get to all the practices. And so uh, in, I think it was like 2002, 2003, uh, I started the, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes group here, a chapter of that. It's mm-hmm. a national organization. Mm-hmm. And so I started that here then so that uh, at least we could try to gather as many of the student athletes from yeah. all the different uh, programs together at least once a week, and uh, and so yeah, that, that was just awesome, and it's been it's just consistently continued to grow. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, most definitely, and you know, especially with this year, kind of throwing a wrench in things with COVID and stuff like that. I mean, meeting with these groups and stuff like that, and just kind of seeing their reactions to maybe their seasons maybe getting postponed or canceled once again. What's kind of your uh, kind of mindset or reaction to kind of making sure that these athletes and these students kind of can stay, um, I guess you say, comfortable and just kind of level-headed, even though there might be some uncertain times of whether or not they'll be able to play their sports? Yeah, that's, that's been a real challenge for sure. Um, uh, you know, mental health is a big, you know, has kind of grown all of a sudden uh, within the NCAA uh, at all divisions and the emphasis on mental health. Uh, and so, um, it's, it's been a challenge. I've had uh, numerous conversations with some of our student athletes, uh, just who've struggled with some of that anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, athletes, as you know, Brandon are, are very, uh, structured and there's a routine and and, uh, when that routine gets, uh, interrupted, it's, it's just chaos. Uh, uh, and so, um, yeah, to, to, you know, do virtual learning and to not be able to compete, um, to just kind of go through the motions and, and, you know, having that hope that maybe you're going to compete, but then, you know, that gets kind of pushed back. And so it's been a challenge for a number of our, uh, number of our student athletes in, in that regard. So just being able to talk with them, try to try to encourage them, uh, if they, you know, do need more than what I can provide, uh, certainly we get them to the right people and, uh, make sure that they're getting taken care of. 
and then I kind of uh, am that follow-up type of person, just checking on them, you know, uh, weekly, daily, sometimes, depending on, on the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely, I think mental health is something that often gets really overlooked in college athletics because there's there's a lot of things going on. I mean, especially living on your own, having to chant or having to organize everything in pretty much your life. I mean, living, um, doing schoolwork, all these other things. It's definitely a challenge. And I think mental health is something that often gets really overlooked. But um, back in 2005, um, I believe this was the first year you took um, FCS and FCA to uh, on a mission trip was to uh, North Carolina to help build a church that was devastated by Hurricane Isabel. And I know that last year I was really wanted to go on the mission trip last year. I know Joe was fortunate enough to do so, so I know he can speak more on it, but how have the, the mission trips been so important to not only the people a part of FCA and FCS, but the people that have been impacted by when mission trips take place and things get built again? Yeah, that's, that's, that's been, uh, that's just been a real joy to, to witness and, and see, um, a lot of times, I mean, we go with the intention to want to bless uh, a community, a family, uh, whoever we're doing the work for, and and many times it's multiple families. Uh, because of the size of our group, we'll we'll break it down into two or three different work crews, and so we can we can uh, impact a number of families that have been devastated like that. Um, but yeah, to to combine uh, the two groups was really uh, really special. Um, and in that particular year, we were in Englehard, uh, North Carolina, and uh, we had some of the uh, the athletes go along for the first time. And it was really awesome to see the relationships that and the friendships that grew between the the Tuesday night FCS group and the uh, Wednesday night FCA group. And out of that, uh, you had some of the uh, students who normally wouldn't consider going to an athletic contest all of a sudden excited because, hey, you know, I know that football player or I know that soccer player or, you know, I know that track runner and I'm going to I'm going to show up and support them and cheer them on. And so uh, that's that's just continued to grow throughout the uh, throughout the years. But uh, it's also interesting to to hear and to watch um, how. Uh, you as a student are impacted um, because we go there to to want to help and bless them, but uh, we get blessings also, and and mm-hmm. and our lives are impacted by what we see, uh, what we experience, uh, that sense of community and camaraderie that we share in that week together uh, continues then even beyond Ferris. And so I know a number of our uh, students uh, who continue to be involved in in missions in one form or capacity of another. So mm-hmm. yeah, and. I mean, with the background of that too, kind of setting up those mission trips and making sure everything's running smoothly. And even, I mean, the drive down there especially is kind of taxing as well. What's it really like to, I mean, have to do all that background work and the stuff behind the scenes that makes it all possible? Um, it's gotten a, a lot easier over the years. <laughs> uh, I think I've done, boy, close to 30, 30 some years. I've been, I've been doing this full-time 25 years, but prior to that, I was helping my colleague uh, do mission trips uh, for a number of years, and uh, so yeah, uh, I've established some good relationships and rapport with with some different disaster response agencies, and so they know our group. Um, uh, and so when we come down, and I say, hey, we can we can do electrical work because we've got some electrical engineers along, or we can do construction work because we have some construction management students along. So it's a great opportunity for them to use some of their skills and and education that they're learning here. Um, 
but uh, yeah, a lot of the planning is is has gotten easier over the years, <clears throat> just because of the you know the the many times that I've done it. Um, and I've been really blessed to have some uh, good friends who also uh, have a heart and passion for mission like this mission work, and uh, they have skills in construction too. So between myself and a couple of other uh, gentlemen and their wives, we can we can you know, break the group up and do a lot of work from roofing houses to hanging drywall to finishing drywall, painting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So it's been pretty, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. I mean, to see, I mean, when I was on the mission trip with you, I mean, my sister came along too. And a lot of other people, they didn't really have a background or any, any knowledge of really doing any construction work or putting up drywall or stuff like that. But especially you and uh, the people that you brought along able to help those uh, students who may not know how to do that type of stuff is really amazing to see. Yeah, your sister. She didn't want to give up that nail gun. She was uh, she was a master uh, nailer there, and she wouldn't even let you have a try. But I know <laughs> that's awesome. But um, really, kind of um, if there if anybody is listening to this interview right now and they're they're interested in FCS or FCA, um, what what would you want to what do you want to tell them as far as what to expect from the group, how to contact you, just kind of what what they what they can experience through FCA and FCS. Hmm. Yeah, so um some of my contact information you'd find on our athletic uh, webpage uh if you look under the staff directory I'm listed there as a um athletic department chaplain. Um and so you can you can reach out either through the email or through my uh, contact number. Um but I guess with with both of those groups uh even though I'm supported uh um and I'm ordained in the Christian Reformed denomination. Uh, I would say our ministry is very uh, open to any denominations, people of any faith or or no faith at all. Um, I mean, that's that's the the beauty and the joy of of what I uh, am doing is just I want to try to impact the lives and at least present uh, a different perspective on how to look at life. Uh, obviously, as a Christian, but uh, but. To just challenge people, whether as athletes, you know, how does your how does your faith and your athleticism and your your desire to compete, uh, how does that mesh with who you are as a as a Christian, uh, as a believer? And so, um, I, I enjoy that, and it's not something that I try to force uh, on anybody. Especially, I re- I respect the boundaries that I'm given. Um, so when I'm along the sidelines at practices or uh, along the court uh, or or the soccer pitch, wherever I'm at, I'm not trying to uh, be intrusive and uh, and take away from what the the athletes need to be focusing on and learning. But I'm there just to support and to serve. And so, however I can can do that, uh, the coaches know that uh, I'm always available for them and and uh, not just trying to you know push what I believe on top of people, but uh, just am open to however I can help serve them. And so, FCA and FCS have become a great great channel, great avenue to do that. Yeah, it's so cool. And especially, I mean, already the impacts that you've had on me and Brandon so far. And uh, we're really looking forward to kind of obviously just being a part of those organizations for the next couple of years that we're at mm-hmm. Ferris and just excited to see what you're going to be able to do for, uh, probably for the next couple of years that you're most likely going to be working here. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. We really appreciate what you do for Ferris and the community. Um, we just wanted to say thank you so much. Oh, I love it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You guys keep me young. So <laughs> <laughs> for sure. appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again to Pastor Mike Wissink. Super great to have him on the show. He's a good buddy of ours. Uh, We both go to FCA and FCS, so we love having him on the show and just love seeing him around. But 
to get right into it, Ferris State Hockey is going to start up pretty soon, Brandon. Uh, the situation has been a little bit uh, jumbled, I guess you could say, with a positive corona test kind of uh, delayed the start of the season. But Ferris State going to start up, I think, next week against uh, Alabama Huntsville. Going to be super excited to see what uh, the new kind of recruits are coming in, how that's going to affect the team, especially with a, a little bit uh, less than exciting season last year. Probably going to hope to turn the page a little bit. But Ferris State sports are going to be back. That's super exciting, Brandon. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, two years ago, only a 10 or 11 win season. Last year, only seven wins. That I mean, for being a program that's made frozen fours, it's kind of been a downslide for us mm-hmm. Bulldog fans. And it, it's it's really tough. But every team's going to go through these things. I mean, you look even at the New England Patriots right now. They used to be an absolute dynasty team playoff bound every year. Now look where they're standing. So everybody, every dynasty is going to go through it. So we're just going to have to be be in it regardless. But we're, 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 there's a lot of much more exciting outlook, I guess, on this season. We got a lot of new recruits coming in, um, returning some guys, including our um, leading goal scorer, Marshall Moyes, who did a great season last year. We got we got a lot of guys coming back. Liam McDon- or McDougal is going to be captain again. So Gonna be it's gonna be an exciting mm-hmm. exciting season. I know um, our buddy Harrison Watt, the play by play guy, he's literally itching every day to get back. Looking at his tweets, so I think everybody's just ready to watch some hockey again. And it's also, I mean, last year, kind of our game plan from what I could see from the, I think I went to it like ten games or so last year. Um, just the game plan it was more just kind of dump the puck in and kind of figure out what we're gonna do, and then kind of. If we did get the puck, we are going to be able to set that up because we rarely ever got set up in the offensive zone last year. And I think that was one of the main reasons why we didn't have a lot of success because when we did get set up, Marshall Moyes and a lot of these other guys, they were able to really put the puck in the net and kind of force um, some goal opportunities. But when we didn't have that happening and whenever we were just kind of running up and down the or skating up and down the ice, it was just kind of a bad situation because, I mean, we're, I don't really think that we're a, a dump and run team. We're definitely get it set up, and then we just got to control the puck in the in the center of the ice and kind of bring in the offensive zone with control. And I think that's probably going to be the main difference to see if we're going to be able to do anything. But another bit, uh, pretty exciting um, guy that's coming in is Logan Stein. I'm pretty he's probably our first. I think he's our first five star recruit mm-hmm. uh, over the past. I think. I think the stat line said six years. He's never had a save. Per- he's only had one save percentage below 900, and I think it was like 893. So that's solid. You definitely know that he's going to bring in some competition for Ronnie Salmon Kangas. Um, and we know Ronnie Salmon Kangas. He's been in a couple of our classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely know that he's going to bring in some competition for him, some healthy competition for the both of them to get better and to maybe hopefully, hopefully get them some more wins um, as he comes into Big Rapids. So. Yeah, and it's great to have two high skilled guys at goal or in goal. So it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be there's there's a lot of promise at yeah. that spot. I mean, having a guy to guard the goal is always a really key part to having your team's mm-hmm. success because everybody can score goals. It's if you can stop them that can make you great. Mm-hmm. Defense wins championships. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But Carter it, McPhail too is our other goalkeeper. I forgot yes. I forgot his name too, but he's been a guy who is also kind of flip flopping with Ronnie Salmon Kangas a couple times and he held it down too. So three solid goalkeepers is gonna really bode well for us, I think, especially for uh Logan Stein to learn from these guys. So Yeah, and I mean the the upbringing talent, I mean we had guys like Blake Evanow last year, um Played in, played in defense. He played all 34 games last year. Jake Willits had 21 points as a er, um, as a freshman. That's pretty impressive. I mean, he's pretty he's leading the team in that category. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of guys that are are still, and we got lots we got lots of freshmen still that played in a couple of games. Now they're starting to figure out what they need to do to get better over this last um, off season. So 
there's there's a lot to look forward to. I don't think we're going to have another seven-win season. I think we're going to be much better. I'm not going to say that we're going to be a team that we should be destined for the Frozen Four again because those teams were really special. So I'm yeah, not going to say that. We had insane talent on those yeah. teams. So. But I would I would expect a little bit more success coming in the season because I, th- I think we will, personally. So it'll, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it should be really interesting to see how that plays out. But um, going into the... The NFL for this episode, we have some games to recap over Week 12, including some to preview, believe it or not. So hopping right in, the Thursday games, Texans and Lions. Um, we played poorly, <laughs> really. We played poorly. We pretty much played poorly. I watched about the first half, and then I was like, well, I, I don't really want to watch this anymore. Because even though we are, I mean, close to three, I mean, it was 23 to 14 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was still just like, yeah, we're not going to be able to come back. Because we just, it just seems like on Thanksgiving Day games, we just always seem to just not play very well. And that, I mean, it's just always the same too. And I mean, Matt Patrice is gone. So I think we'll have a little bit more success in the near future. And I've so many people are happy that, my, myself included, are happy that uh, Matt Patrice is gone. But that game I just like kind of turned the TV off and I'm just like you know I'd rather enjoy my Thanksgiving I'm just gonna go have a slice of pie and not watch the Lions anymore yeah it 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 was brutal I mean we we had a great start on our first drive after making the Texans punt on their first go up seven nothing they punt again it's looking promising and then throw the pick six then next possession fumble the football Watson goes and takes him down for a touchdown and then we fumble again after a solid drive getting to midfield. And the the fact is, is we were still in the game because they ended up fumbling next drive and we took a one point lead. And then from then on, it was pretty much over. I mean, they pretty much went, I think they went on a huge run. I mean, it was like 28, 28 points to our three at one point. That's not going to get it done. And the fact is, is we didn't play very well. We didn't make great changes defensively. They shredded us down the field in the second half. I mean, Mm -hmm. they even had that trick play that was so wide open. It wasn't even funny. But I mean, it I, I mean, it was a trick play in the second half of a game that you're winning. So I'm not really like fully mad about that because I was kind of a I don't want to say like a, a jerk move, but it was like, eh. You can you can live you can live with those things because the fact that they're running trick plays already up three touchdowns. I mean, what what are you gonna do? Yeah. Basically, it's I like mean. you haven't been able to stop anything so far. So what makes you think that you're gonna stop this today? But uh, Deshaun Watson, seventeen for twenty five. He did all right. Four touchdowns. That was pretty good for whoever had him on. He played good. Yeah, whoever had him on their fantasy team is probably pretty happy with that too. Matthew Stafford, twenty for forty two. Um, played a little bit less than ideal, uh, less than what we've been able to see him. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. Um, I think it's just the injury that's probably starting to bug. I feel like just a little bit more. I don't think he's a hundred percent yet, but I think they're trying to rush it a little bit, trying to get him back into it for Thanksgiving day and just kind of make it so that the season isn't just a total bust. And that way we can have our quarterback back, but I don't know. It's just, I just don't understand what the Lions have to do. I mean, we're firing Matt Patricia, so that's a step in the right direction, but just what is what is Daryl Bevel going to be able to do, especially as the interim head coach, if he's going to be able to do something? But I don't know, dude. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, it's not. I wouldn't put it all on Stafford because, like, obviously, we didn't have Gallaudet for this game. We didn't have Swift. We didn't have Amendola. We didn't no, have we, three we, of our starting we had, players. We had, didn't have any of our any of our winning keys to this game. And yeah, I think, I, especially if, uh, when I say Matt Stafford, I mean it's just like. He didn't play well, and I mean, you can kind of expect that, especially since he doesn't have the key targets that he usually throws to. 
And I mean, for him to throw as well as he did, it's pre- it's pretty okay, especially basically throwing to his second stringers that he's not really used to. It's props to him, but st- I mean, he didn't he didn't throw just he didn't throw as well as he usually does. Is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I mean. And you you look at the stats. I mean, we haven't played well in Thanksgiving. I mean, ever since we drafted Stafford in two thousand nine, we're four and eight in Thanksgiving games. I don't, I don't, and it's kind of weird because, like, obviously us as Lions fans, we we love seeing the Lions on Thanksgiving because that's tradition and that that's something that we all enjoy. But I I understand a lot of the other people's pain. I mean, they br- they're bringing up the idea: why doesn't the NFL do like what the NBA does and set up the best Christmas games ever? Like you got the warriors playing the the cavaliers a couple years ago like why why don't they have those type of games like this year there's a lot of like i think the bucks are playing the warriors and the clippers and the lakers so it's like why doesn't the nfl do the same i really think that they're just so tied to tradition i think that's the reason why but Mm -hmm. i i understand i completely understand their their opinions i mean i i i want to see the lions on thanksgiving just because that's what growing up yeah we've always seen change so I don't know, but um, we can move into the fact of Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn as head coach and GM respectively have been fired from the organization. So the next question, of course, is who will be the replacement? And I know I, um, and meaning us at the MVSP put out the poll um, over the last couple of days, wondering what your guys' thoughts on who our next head coach should be and... So far, as I'm reading this right now at 1047, the highest voted replacement for Matt Patricia is Robert Sella from the 49ers as the defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy is right behind him. And then also Arthur Smith did get a vote. I was actually kind of surprised if he would he would get a vote because obviously those two guys right there, everybody seems to like. So um, if we could get both. I mean, that would be pretty sweet. <laughs> if we could get by. But I don't think that's going to happen. So yeah. the question is, who will be the next head coach? I really think that Biennemi could be a really good guy. But I really do like Robert Sala. I mean, he has mm-hmm. ties to Detroit. He's a guy that really knows how to lead a locker room. Because, like, the thing is, is well, obviously the thing that really scares me is we already tried a method like this and it didn't work. Hiring a defensive guru to take over the team and revamp our defense but it seems like that Robert Sala has a different, like, different charisma around him. It seems like hearing from a lot of the 49ers players, Richard Sherman in particular, when he had his press conference telling about he actually believes that Robert Sala is going to leave next year to become a head coach elsewhere because he believes so much in him. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, I, I, I really like what he brings. I am a little concerned because we tried this method before, but. I think Biennemi will be, he is a good choice. The defense, if we do hire him, the defense is still going to be a concern. We're just going to have likely an upgrade in offense. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm looking more at Salah right now, but Biennemi, I would not be opposed to. Yeah. I'm also excited to see what Daryl Bevel is going to be able to do. If he's going to like show out, do really well, get the guys behind him, especially since he's, I mean, in house already. He knows the guys and We'll see if he's been he's able to like produce anything. If he does, that's great because then we can just kind of keep him, keep the guy in house that we already have. But I wouldn't be opposed to having somebody come else come in. I don't know if, like you said, the defensive guru, if that's going to be the best idea, especially since Matt Patricia came in and so people, so many people were thinking like, oh, we're going to have the best defense because I mean he he's been coaching arguably the best defense over the past like decade with the Patriots, and then he comes in and he can't really do anything with us. Um, I I don't know if it's just because of talent wise or if it's just kind of a new situation for him, but you know he he didn't really live up to expectations that a lot of people thought he was gonna have. 
Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's a better opportunity. I don't know if we, I want to have a defensive guru mainly for that reason that we've already tried and we probably should try something else. But you could also make the argument that, you know, Matt Patricia just wasn't cut for the job in Detroit and we just need someone else. And I think, I don't know, it's just a situation where do we want to go for another another uh, defensive person who already hasn't been able to do very well with us and try to go with a different thing or maybe try for another, maybe try for another and see if, I don't know, if I mean, if it is broke, fix it, but fix it with the same exact thing. Yeah, that I mean, that's, I think, a number one concern of hiring a defensive coordinator, because obviously we need defense. So why not hire somebody in defense that has been spectacular? And the reality is we tried that already. So yeah. that, that is a concern. Um, I think Eric Bieniemy is going to be on a lot of teams radars over the next couple or the next the next year, I should say, going back to this point. I, I, I mean, it's rough as it kind of seems i honestly don't think he's going to go to detroit i really do believe he could go to houston because the fact is is he they have deshaun watson there and they're really trying to go through a rebuild and he knows how to build an offense that succeeds and i think their defense really their defense just has i mean the texans defense has been banged up lost guys they're just kind of down and out and i mean Mm -hmm. they've they've played okay the last couple of games i mean they shut down us they ended up pulling off the upset against new england shutting down their offense so i think that's a place he could go because i mean he has mahomes right now going to watson it's going to be a pretty similar aspect to how they can run their offense i know watson can even be more of a running threat i think than mahomes i don't think i don't know if that's going to be an immediate thing like yeah we're going to have watson be a cam newton and run the ball 15 times i don't think that's going to happen but the the offense is when you have a dynamic young quarterback there's so much you can build around especially with an athlete like watson but some other candidates, uh, Arthur Smith from Tennessee Titans, offensive coordinator. I honestly didn't think he'd get a vote in our poll because I don't think a lot of people um, really truly know who he is. But, I mean, he, he's got it done. I mean, the fact is, is Ryan Tannehill and was on out of Miami. He really wasn't given a whole lot of opportunities afterwards. And Arthur Smith says, hey, this guy's going to work perfect in our offense. And then he was a borderline MVP candidate last year. So, the fact is, is he, I mean, the way that the Titans, they really kind of run a, a really physical, tough game, smash mouth, you would call it, run game, physical up front. Then you have the deep downfield passing game. But that's that's been successful when you got guys like A.J. Brown, Corey Davis that can make it happen. And then you just got the King Derrick Henry to run through everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes your offense pretty darn good. So, I mean, the fact is, is he's an offensive guy that knows how to make you or make use of what he has so i think that would be a, a pretty cool option um matt Eberflus is one that i was really kind of interested about he is the colts defensive coordinator and we know how great the colts defense has been uh last week was a little different because um yeah arthur smith kind of tore him up but that was just one week so i mean the fact is is they're still top three in defensive categories right now and they deserve to be especially after beating green bay and that overtime game mm-hmm. so i mean Eberflus is a great he's been trending up so it, it that one would be pretty interesting. I think that um, that's you're still gonna need a little bit of wondering about the guru situation again. It's it's hard to think that because the reality is, I mean, we tried it already. But if we're gonna try it again, at least try it with somebody with a little different a dynamic. Because Patricia, I don't know why, but when he come back to New England, when the time he was there, I mean, you have Belichick there, you got McDaniel's there. Like, 
it seems like nobody really on that team was like a vocal leader. Because, I mean, it seems like when you come to New England, I mean, it's really what Bella is like, you come here, you do your job, and we win football games. That's kind of how it goes. So the fact is, it's like there's nobody really that vocal leader-esque locker room because, I mean, you had Brady for a while that really kept everyone in check himself. So the it's just kind of a... I, I think like hiring a guy like Salah can bring a different dynamic because he's been a lot more of a vocal leader-esque, especially from what we've heard from the 49ers players. Uh, hopefully that would transfer over if he does get hired. But uh, Everflus kind of seems more of like a quiet guy. Um, it, it, it's just really interesting. I'm I'm really intrigued by a lot of these options. There was somebody that brought up Lincoln Riley. I hope that never has an idea in the minds of our owners. I don't want, I don't like that at all. <laughs> And I, I do, I like Lincoln Riley. I like, I like him as a guy, but the fact is, is he's came over. You look, you can, you can just look at Oklahoma's game logs and you can show that they don't play very good defense. And the reality is, is we don't need de- offense. We need defense. So the reality is, I don't think that's a great choice. If we want to look young, I mean, I've even heard Matt Campbell be brought up in the Lions talks. My Michigan, I was like, okay, Lions, I was like, whoa, wait, really? So. That one's that could be interesting too, but yeah. there's a lot of candidates out there for head coach. I've been looking at some of like the college coaches and stuff. I mean, Matt Campbell from Ohio State, he looks pretty good, especially I mean, we talked about this a little bit a while ago. Um, with him kind of what he's been able to do at Iowa State and if he's gonna be able to kind of transfer to I don't know if he'd be able to transfer the NFL, but people are I mean, this is just kind of like the top ten uh candidates for the job already. And I don't know if he'll be able to transfer the NFL, but I'd love to see him kind of go to another school, see if he can I mean, I feel like Lions should keep their, I mean, keep a radar on him, see what he's being able to do, and maybe for, in maybe a couple of years, see if he's like has the same success and stuff like that. But another one is Urban Meyer, if he's gonna be, if he would like to come yeah. to Detroit, because I mean, Utah, Bowling Green, Florida, and Ohio State. I yeah, them mm-hmm. four. I, th- I didn't know if there's another one. He's always been able to kind of propel their offenses to, you know, the great, the best in the nation so far, and. I mean, the defense that he has, of course, I mean, he's got the defensive coordinators, but I feel like he's going to be, if he does actually come to Detroit and if, like, that does happen in, I mean, once in a blue moon, if that does happen that he wants to come to Detroit, I feel like he'll be able to turn around because, I mean, we've seen what he's been able to do at the college level and with, I mean, elite players already and with, I mean, NFL, I feel like it'll be no different, no different, but I don't know. It's like a lot of different guys who could maybe do the job, but just don't get I don't think a defensive coordinator is the best idea for us especially for what we already had this year. Yeah, and I mean the Urban Meyer's been brought up a lot. I mean, he's an analyst right now, but he has built winning programs and as much as we hate to say it as Michigan fans, he really he's a good coach. He's, <laughs> he's a really good coach. <laughs> he's stumped us multiple times and he knows how to win those bigger games and um there's no way on planet Earth he's going to go to Michigan. So no. Um, so maybe try to bring him to the next best thing. Next best thing in Michigan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Would he, would that would the Michigan hatred be so deep that he wouldn't even go to the Detroit Lions as, with an NFL team? It's I possible. I don't, I don't think. Uh, I mean, we got a couple Ohio State guys like Taylor Decker. So I mean, there is there is some pieces there from Ohio State. So I mean, yeah, we got Jeff Okuda and stuff like that. That is so. true. Well, yeah, I mean, he was more Ryan Day, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, still, there's, there's, Ohio, there's, there's Ohio, Ohio State. State Blood. There's Ohio State blood in there, so yeah. and the Detroit Lions program. So I feel like if that does happen, I mean, he has guys who he might be familiar with and can have chemistry. So I don't think it'll be the worst idea. If he does, he want to come to Michigan. Does he want to come to Detroit? Probably not, because I don't think he wants to just be around Michigan at all. Because the hatred probably is so deep for him. But 
I mean, which is probably true for if any other coach in Michigan probably went to Ohio State or not Ohio State, but an Ohio team. I feel like they'd be having the same conversation. Yeah, if Urban Meyer is going to go anywhere, to me, it's most likely going to be a well. It's going to be a well historical successful program that can't seem to find a step up to get back to that level. Uh-huh. To me, immediately on my mind goes to Texas because the reality is, is Texas is always. Oh, they're back. No, they're not. Oh, they're back. No, they're not. Sam Ellinger like is just, just toying with everybody with just saying we're back and playing like garbage every yeah. every week. Yeah. Tom Herman was a good idea. Um, I mean, right now hasn't really changed that much. So I don't I don't really know. It's kinda hard and I mean, really every ESPN analyst says the same thing, like, we don't they what what do they need to do? We don't know because they've tried just about everything and it hasn't changed anything. So uh, USC is another team that comes to mind. I mean, they're still producing some really good athletes. Juju Smith-Schuster, for example. But team-wide success hasn't mm-hmm. really been there. Sam Darnold as well. So that that one could be another intriguing. There's a lot of options. I yeah. Mean, I don't, I don't precede Ryan Day um, leaving anytime soon. <laughs> He's no. looking really good. But a, reun- a, reuni- a reuniting with Ohio State. It would be probably a dream for him, but the reality is, is right now he's he's gonna be an analyst, and right now he seems happy there. So yeah, he's probably probably just gonna stay there for for the time being, most likely. Yeah, but moving on to the the GM position, um, as we have relieved Bob Quinn, as we said earlier, but I I really do like that we we made the move from both because the fact is is we've had Bob Quinn through multiple head coaches. And, and it just hasn't been working. There has it, It's been the same kind of draft scheme and the same kind of move. I mean, we made some good picks this year, but really, that's only been the great... That's probably the best draft we've had in his tenure was this year. And really, the other ones... May, I mean, we drafted guys like Ebron, and I don't even want to talk about Ebron. Um, like, we've made some, made some questionable moves. I mean, Tease Tabor and... Um, David Drod Davis, those guys have not performed to the expectations they were set. So some of those picks kind of made you made us look a little um a little goofy. Like what are we doing? So um I do like that we we're moving on from Bob Quinn as much as um re, I mean I respect him as a person what he's what he's done, but I mean the fact is is he was he wasn't a good enough GM to stay no. here, and that's the reason he was fired. So, um, other there's a lot of intriguing candidates on here. The number one that pops up like a lot is um, John Dorsey, who just got fired from Cleveland. Um, I mean he he's got plenty to offer. He's he's had he's had himself in a lot of Super Bowl champion teams. Believe it or not, I mean he started his career with the Packers. Um, was he was worked in scouting, developed some players that were a part of that um Super Bowl 31 team uh he's been in his he was then moved on to Kansas City and then he ended up drafting guys like uh Mahomes, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's pretty insane. So <laughs> he, I mean, he he ended up leaving to go to the Browns to try to rebuild them there, but I think there was just so much dysfunction there that I, the, the most natural I feel thing like, was he I feel like go. when he got he was art. He always just showing up to a dumpster fire. At that point, he yeah. he literally could not have done anything because he could have gotten a fire extinguisher to put it out. But literally, it's there's just no chance. I've it's hard to put out a, a building fire with a fire extinguisher. That's basically what yeah, he was trying he, to do. Yeah, he was he was already up the river without a paddle when he showed up, and yeah. I feel like it just it just showed as. I mean, Cleveland was just 
so dysfunctional when he showed up and just so dysfunctional over the past couple of years that there's literally nothing. I don't think you'd have to be a miracle worker of a GM to get them out of this right now, get them out of what they were at. Yeah. So I think that could be an intriguing option. Um, It'd be interesting if he wants to return as a GM or he just kind of wants to hang it up because he has been doing this a long time. I mean, back dating back to Super Bowl 31, that's 20 over 20 years now. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he wants to say it. But um, um, Ed Dodds is another guy. Uh, Colts uh, vice president of player personnel. Um, he's he's made he's made solid teams. I mean, the fact is, is he made he helped make a lot of the moves this year. Um, getting guys like Philip Rivers to come over and kind of built their defense. The divorce Buckner trade. He's been a part of those. So I mean, he's been he's been in a lot of GM uh, mm-hmm. um hot sheets for a while now. He's been on a lot uh, top a lot of the lists. He's just never gotten the chance. If Detroit wants to make it a possibility i'm sure he would jump on it because i mean he's kind of he's he's kind of floated around i mean he had a little stint with seattle and then really since he landed with the colts he was pretty much kind of in his spot that he wanted to um but then he was still looking out i mean so i mean he's 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 worked with some great gms like john schneider and chris ballard so he knows how a lot of those guys operate and how to make very very good teams so i he might be ready to take over his own team i that i mean the fact is is that we're hiring somebody in a gm spot that's never been a gm before it is scary so it is a really interesting thing but a big one that i saw um comes from espn lewis riddick as the gm yes so uh, that could be an idea now especially he was a wasn't he a scout before you went to the mm-hmm. analyst? Yep, he was a scout. Um, he was um for both Washington and Philadelphia. Yeah, their teams aren't great, but I mean, what they? Yeah, what are you gonna do? I, I mean, know it's the NFC it, least. It's so. hard. It's really hard to single handedly build a team when you don't have a a team in of itself inside that really knows how to build the team. So I'm not saying like their front offices are bad or anything. They've not been successful, so it's really hard not to. It's hard not to say, oh, Philadelphia and Washington, what have they done or whatever, but it's just, it's when you have, you can't single-handedly rebuild a team. I know I just said that, but that's just the reality. So I don't think we should be like putting that on him. I mean, so, I mean, he's been, he's been out of the, the executive world really since like 2013, but he's still been working really close. I mean, he's a, he's one of the higher analysts and he he's, it's really interesting because be, like a lot of we've seen moves now where analysts go over to GM spots and they've actually done pretty decent. John Lynch with San Fran and now Mike Mayock with the Raiders. Now they're contenders. We'll say contenders. Um, they're not. They're not there yet. Yeah, they're they're, they're slow. There. They're slowly moving over towards pretenders, but they're they're contenders they're as of now. So um, that that one would be a pretty gutsy move, but it has brought success the last two times it's been done. So. Their time's a charm. Yeah. There's no, the, yeah, there's no doubt that he has a football mind. It's just more like, because I think with a lot of analysts and like people, what they think with that, like they like, oh, like you can do this, this, and this, and like that, that'll correlate to wins or that'll correlate to success or whatever. But when it, I mean, I feel like a lot of people just don't realize all the outside factors that go on for it. If it's just player personnel, if it's player like um, relationships or anything like that, that could play a huge role into kind of how everything's going to work out and how everything's going to do well. So, I mean, if he comes in, he's really going to have to deal with, I mean, a, a beaten fan base, a strong beaten fan base who just wants success, I mean, quickly because we've just been out of it for literally our whole franchise history so far. You're going to have to come into a 
a team a, a a team who has a a like a I was gonna say chairperson, but I was t- trying to think of Martha Ford who kind of just like who has stepped down and kind of just like a a jumbled kind of or not organization. I can't think of the word. Higher ups, I guess you could say. Yeah, I know. I know what you're trying to say. I think the the listeners are understanding. Yeah, what you're all right. To say. Kind of just like a jumbled kind of higher up situation where he has to deal with them too. And I feel like yeah. if he comes in, he's gonna have to deal with a lot of stuff. And people can say like, "Oh, analysts know what they're talking about," but it's gonna come down to is he gonna be able to handle the business side of things and also kind of the inner relationships of everything while also doing the job of getting players, getting draft picks, doing what he has to do, and doing the right thing. Yeah, I think. I think what you're you're trying to get across is the the top of the food chain with the Fords have been pre they they're they're a pretty traditional orthodox mindset and bringing yes. in Lewis Riddick contradicts that. I think that's kind of what I think that's trying. Yeah, what you're trying I couldn't. To yeah, there. I couldn't figure out the real wording what I wanted to say. Yeah, but yeah. You, you pretty much yeah. hit the nail. On the I, head, I yeah. got you. What you're trying to say. I th- I yeah. Everybody knows that that would be a very interesting move. So I mean. We we also have the 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 newest Ford in there, so maybe she wants to be a little different. I don't, we don't know. Who knows? So who I, knows? I don't. Who knows? But um, another one, Mike um, Borgonzi. Probably guys don't even know who that is, but he's the director of football operations with Kansas City. He's been really the guy that's been behind the scenes, really helping make a lot of their moves happen. I mean, we brought up John or um not John Lynch, um John Dorsey, that kind of orchestrated the draft to get those those big three guys. But I mean, he, he if people people that know football and know the inside success on how to have a successful front office know who Borgonzi is and what he can bring to the table. Because I mean, he's made his way all the way up the ladder to um, eventually football operations. So the fact is, um, apparently, with the the descriptions kind of made about him, he does sound a little bit like Bob Quinn. So it looks it, it could be mm, I don't know, but. The fact is, if we were to able to bring in Eric Bieniemy, bringing in Borgonzi would be a big key on how to make that happen. Since those two know each other and have a relationship together, if we wanted to bring Bieniemy, we could bring Borgonzi to make that happen. That'd be a pretty um, that'd be kind of a cool situation to have mm-hmm. it. Not like a little dynamic duo, you could say, <laughs> but it would be interesting. Uh, Rick Smith. Definitely. Rick Smith was the final one on this list that I found. Um, former Texans general manager before the eventual um, Bill O'Brien take over everything move. So, uh, I mean, he, he got, he's made some pretty good moves. He's really brought up the Texans' popularity a lot. They've had playoff appearances with guys like Watson and Watt and Fuller that he's drafted. So he, he could be an intriguing name. Um, yeah, I think he, he just <laughs> – it's hard to really give credit to Texans' front office from what Bill O'Brien just did, and it was just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, so, he kind of just took down every – like yeah. I mean, after the, Hop- after the, the Hopkins trade, he should have easily gotten fired because that, that was not That was smart. a terrible idea. <laughs> Why would you trade away – Stupidest idea. Did but. you see the um the tweet that Hopkins put out? I'm thankful for the text or the Cardinals believing in me for a second round pick. <laughs> I was like, shoot, he's really he's living life in Arizona right now. Yes, they I did. Mean, I guarantee. Yes, they, they did get, lose last week, so but dumb. I mean, it was the Patriots team. They weren't gonna lose twice. Kind of going back into the the week recap. Um, twenty to seventeen. Cardinals offense just wasn't there. They just really. They just weren't themselves. I mean, Murray didn't he didn't have that that dynamic playmaking ability. He was kind of contained a little bit. The running game was pretty solid, but I mean Murray only threw for 170, no touchdowns, a pick. Not the stat line he's accustomed to. 
they they just had a they just the second half they really just had a couple dry spells. I mean, they had an opportunity to take the lead, missed a field goal. New England, of course, capitalizes and hits theirs for the win. So it's a tough loss for Arizona. I kind of saw it coming. I did want I wanted to pick the Patriots, but I didn't. I picked the Cardinals. So um, it's I mean after the way the Patriots played, I just couldn't trust them. So, mm-hmm. but the fact is, um, Patriots. They 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 weren't going to be a team that's going to go three and twelve. They're they're too good of coach to be that. And we've seen them do it with less. So um, that was a good win for them. Miami, um, they did get a little bit of a gain on Buffalo. I really wasn't a big game, uh, our big gain, but they took care of business against the Jets, twenty to three. Um, didn't need to do that much. It's the Jets. I mean, what what else are you going to do? <laughs> I guess is really all you have to say. So uh, Fitzpatrick played pretty well. Um, Sam Darnold did not play well. Um, I mean the garbage. I feel so bad for the garbage can. The garbage can, yeah. That's yeah. that's probably what I'm gonna refer yeah, Frank, to him as now. I do like the fact that um, I mean it is it's unfortunate that um the Michael Perrine got hurt, but seeing Frank Gore in a starting spot doing the things he's doing is pretty fun to see, and it really shows that really age is just a number when it comes to the things you love, and Frank Gore is an exemplary example of that. So really cool to see, and I mean the Dolphins. Um, we're supposed to expect it to come in this game with Matt Breida starting, and apparently DeAndre Washington must have really blown them out of the water this week in practice because he ended up getting the the bulk of the carries in this mm-hmm. game. Um, but they didn't need to run the ball; they threw it all over the Jets, and that's pretty easy to do. So, good win for the Dolphins. They're still sneaking up on the Bills for that AFC East spot. So, that's certainly something to watch. As Buffalo also picked up the win over the Chargers, twenty-seven seventeen. Um, good good win for Josh Allen, good win for their their coaching staff as they've kind of been they, this game really seemed like it had upset written all over it, but still, I mean, when Josh Allen actually mm-hmm. has one pass touchdown and one rushing touchdown in the first quarter, you can almost call it quits in this yeah. in the in the betting odds because they're nine and one in those games since mm-hmm. twenty nineteen. That's I a, mean, really interesting. Look at Justin Herbert though. I mean thirty one for fifty two, three sixteen he did really well. It's honestly, it's it's kind of sucks to see where he's at right now because being in that division, he's such a he's such a good young quarterback, but the record doesn't show it. And he's been able to play so consistently. It's just I don't think he has the keys around him yet. He's obviously he's definitely going to be a very good franchise quarterback who's going to be who's definitely going to bring success for them. But I feel like they just need to figure out what they have to do to b- give him some keys so that way they can win those close games. They can win those games where you know. They're not really expected to, and they can get a couple sneak wins in there. But as long as they don't really build around Justin Herbert and kind of, I mean, of course, it's his first year, so they're still trying to feel him out. But that's gonna definitely gonna have to be in the game plan for the next couple years, especially since they don't want to waste this. I mean, talent that he has, especially with um, just how how tough this uh, how tough their division is. Yeah, and I mean, they had Austin Eckler come back, which was I think one thing that they they really were looking forward to, and they really have needed. Um, he only had 44 yards on the ground, but don't don't say anything about that because he also had 85 yards in the air on 11 catches, which is more of his game. I think a lot of people know how great of a pass catcher he is. So he actually led the team in um, targets. Uh, Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry mm-hmm. had 10 apiece, while Eckler had 16 by himself. So pretty impressive. Um, but I think one thing that really kept kept in mind is the Bills' defense responding to some of the offensive miscues because, I mean, the Bills fumbled multiple times so and the fact is they had three straight possessions fumble fumble interception and they turned over the chargers um they made him punt 
they got a pick, and they only capped into a field goal. So when you turned over three times and hold them to three points, that's enough to get the job done. And I think the coaching staff is happy with that. They didn't play as well, but they still got it done by double digits. So I think that's something good to see. Obviously, you want your team to play better, but could have been a lot worse. So it'll be it'll be cool to see that the Bills now um, kind of going into their their rest of their divisional schedule, um, going to play teams again from the East if they can push forward or Miami can sneak in there. So mm-hmm. we'll see about that. But um, speaking of um, John Dorsey, his former team, the Browns, over the Jaguars, 27-25, a lot closer than people really thought this one was going to be. But the way the Browns have been playing, it kind of makes sense because really they've kind of let teams s- stick around, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, they've played pretty, I wouldn't say great, but, I mean, they've played good enough to win games. I mean, games. they're 8-3, they're so it's not terrible. No. Um, it's I'm Honestly, I'm surprised with how good their record is so far, but... I mean, they're playing a one in ten Jacksonville, so I wasn't really expecting it to be this close. But I was expecting a W for Cleveland. I mean, Baker Mayfield did all right; only ten missed passes, nineteen for twenty-nine, two TDs. So it was pretty good for him. We're seeing a little bit more, uh, I guess, productivity out of him lately. But I mean, when you don't have Gardner Minshew as your quarterback for Jacksonville, you can kind of throw it out the window because he's one of your main guys that really does the does the business for you. And twenty for thirty-five for Mike Glennon. He did all right. He kind of matched. Uh, Baker Mayfield yeah. with the yardage and the touchdowns, but when you really uh, when you just kind of look at that, it's a one in ten Jacksonville. So every other thing that you kind of have your defense, your offense isn't going to really match up to an eight and three Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, th- this game, this thing was really interesting down the stretch, especially in the fourth quarter, because um, I mean, you go into the quarter, it's twenty seven nineteen. They just scored right before the uh, the, th- the fourth quarter began. Um, Jacksonville has to punt. Cleveland's pounding down the field. They're now at the they're they basically started throwing two yard line. They go seventy seven yards. They end up going for it on fourth down. Don't get it. I mean, at that point, the game pretty much hypothetically should be over. I mean, there's mm-hmm. five minutes left. They kick a field goal. Now now you're you're looking at twenty or you're looking at thirty to nineteen. They gotta score twice. They end up turning it over on fourth down. And then the Jacksonville goes down and scores. Um so now it's a three-point game, but Cleveland, they get it done in the end. They they hold out their last drive and run the clock out. So a little, I mean, I want to say I'm scared for for being the Browns right now because, I mean, they've had so many close games. But the reality is, it's like every every time they've been in this situation, they've they've yeah. got it done. So it's kind of like... Sloppy W is better yeah, than a clean win. It's kind of like That's Detroit. You got to get used to the close games, but in reality, you know that something good's going to happen. So yeah. kind of weird, but... um. One of the bigger games um, on Sunday, we all were watching Tennessee against Indianapolis. I honestly, I picked the Titans, so I was kind of happy, but I never expected that we were going to see an absolute blowout in the first half. I mean, this game was 35-14. to 14 Oh, my gosh. Going into the half. Derrick Henry already had 100-plus yards on the ground, and he ended up finishing with 178. Three TDs. That's I mean, this insane. dude was a monster. We, I did not expect that going into the game. The Colts' defense has been really good against. Um, they just been really good overall. I don't. I wouldn't say run or pass specifically, but most one of the best fundamental solid defenses in the NFL. But they ended up getting it done. So it's a good thing for the Titans, especially that people have been calling them fraudulent, um, such as uh, I won't say his name, but um, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, okay, I will say his name. Barrett's <laughs> called the Titans fraudulent. Big but, call out. Um, I mean, right now, I mean, the Ravens are almost looking more fraudulent than the Titans. Now, look, I'm saying the word. Probably. But, um, I mean, when you got Derrick Henry doing like that, you don't have to do much. You're not going to expect 178 yards mm-hmm. every game. Um, but look at it. I mean, especially against the Indianapolis Colts defense, for him to do that much rushing damage, and not to mention Ryan Tannehill, 221 in a TD, pretty efficient for him. Especially, I mean, like I said, Indianapolis's defenses defense, excuse me, has been pretty much lights out for this whole year. That's what's been keeping them in most of the games. And for Tennessee Titans, like you said, for a lot of people that are calling them, you know, frauds, Barrett, and just a lot of guys, a lot of people who just Wait, don't think that names. <laughs> they, just a lot of people who are kind of doubting their abilities. They're eight and three, and they've been showing why. And I think Derrick Henry really kind of probably probably pulled the MJ and took it personal that a lot of people were doubting him and probably doubting that Indianapolis was going to shut him down. And you know, one seventy eight against a great defense, he's ma- making a statement and he's taking names about it. So I think he's definitely going to use this as fuel for the fire and probably really show up for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see that um, Mike Vrabel's team um, bouncing back with all the critics in their ears and um, the loss to Cincinnati. They they look they look like like they're playing they're really playing like fluke ish, I should say. But they they really they really shut them up with this game. But um, speaking of what you you brought up with i took it personal i don't know if you saw the the twitter post from mr dk metcalf but um somebody said over over um on i think it was on an espn show um the fact there was talking about um our form we know him well for his tenure in detroit jim schwartz who is the um um, the court coordinator for the eagles uh, i think defensive coordinator um he was talking to dk metcalf before the game or what uh, I don't know when it occurred. I think it was before the game. Uh, he's saying like, "Hey man, you're the closest thing that we've ever seen to Megatron." Um, and apparently, something came along the lines of like he mu- that he reportedly said that um, you you'll never be Megatron, but you're the closest thing to it, or something like that. And, and then DK, um, yeah, let's just say he took it personal, <laughs> and he had 177 yards on 10 catches, pretty much just absolutely demolished the Eagles secondary. I know Darius Slay was um, running all over the field watching this game. Um, somebody got flattened. I don't remember the person off the top of my head. But, I mean, if you look on social media, this thing, there are, this DK Metcalf thing is probably all over it. Because the fact is, is after somebody reportedly tweeted that that whole statement that went around with him and Schwartz, he, he went on the and retweeted it with a picture of Michael Jordan in the last dance and said, I took it personal. <laughs> so everybody was just like, oh my goodness, so who funny. is this man? He also changed hair color, by the way. I did notice Again? that. Again? Yeah, he went back to the he went to the Seahawk blue instead of the green. So, mm. yeah, interesting. I don't know. He's, that, a, he's a very interesting that could man. Be, that could be another debate question of the day. Is is DK Metcalf the new Megatron? So we'll probably save that for save that for another Ooh. day. But ah, I have to write that one down. But um, Seahawks twenty three seventeen um didn't have to do much because the Eagles pretty much hurt themselves. Pretty pretty. I I want to say like I'm, we're getting accustomed to it, but I the, the Eagles I they should have beat them. Way way more. It's the Eagles. So yeah, I I don't know. Like see, the Seattle is scaring me a little bit. I mean, I have my high hopes on them. They did go for it twice, and they ended up missing it twice. So that was kind of a little nerve wracking. But I mean, if they if they just kick their their six points right there, so I mean, then you're talking a twenty nine seventeen game. But the fact is, they didn't. And 
Pete Carroll's an aggressive coach, and he, he'll do that sometimes. And, I mean, they've kind of had a couple kicking woes with Jason Myers, so mm-hmm. I understand the move, but just didn't work out. But their defense has stepped up really well. I will give them that because we talked about them a lot about how, if they were going to be the new Chiefs, they're going to run their way offensively to the, the Super Bowl, um, and then they're going to kind of get – they're going to fumble a little bit. I guess you could use a football. And they were going to fumble a little bit to see how they could stop other good offenses. So, But Jamal Adams in that defense, they're really figuring out it's keeping in stride. Force Wentz to commit two more turnovers. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if what other, what other you, I don't know what else to say, but why isn't Hurts getting more snaps? That I just don't understand. I don't understand that either because I feel because Carson Wentz, he's all right. I mean, 25 or 45, he's not, He's definitely not showing the same uh, production that he's been able to show in the past couple of years. And Jalen Hurts, he offers, I feel like he offers just way more to the table than Carson Wentz does. And I feel like he's just more of an athletic and probably, I don't, obviously he hasn't played too many NFL games, so he probably isn't super comfortable behind the pocket. But give him a start or two for the rest of the remainder of the season. See what he's able to do because you don't want to waste that talent and you don't want to have him just be a backup because. Basically, what you're saying, right? Basically, what the Eagles organization is saying right now, and the coaches are saying, is like, you know, Jalen Hurts is good, but we're gonna go with a quarterback right now. Who the only reason we're taking him is because he has more experience. Yeah. Um. Here's here's the thing I have on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is one of the, one of the the more fundamentally solid quarterbacks in this league. We we could agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. This year has really not been his year. He he really hasn't been the guy that's been pretty efficient. Um, the guy that's leading your team to lots of wins, he he's he's not been that guy. And the fact is, is he's he's turned it over the more times than any quarterback in football, or more than anybody in football, really. And it's hard to think. Yeah, I understand that you locked him up for a contract. I understand that, but he he needs a reality check for a little bit. I mean, I'm not gonna say like Doug Peterson's going like has his back the entire way. Be, I'm not going to say that, but that's what it kind of seems like right now. Because, I mean, if this was happening in Detroit with Stafford, it's a similar thing. Like, we that's just because of the just the ties that he has to the organization, it seems like. And the reality is, yeah, if, you know, I mean, if, if Stafford had three turnovers in a game, he would probably bench himself, to be honest, because yeah, he would not stay because he does, he really get, gets frustrated with himself. So, um, not not saying like he's a bad bad. He has high guy. he has ex- high expectations for himself, yes. and when he doesn't meet him, then yes. he's just he's gonna be like, all right, well, I'm I'm not, and that's kind of what what a leader needs to be is if he's not performing in his best situation, he needs to figure out what's best for the team. And I yes. feel like exactly, I think that's what he's trying to what Matthew Stafford does, which kind of sets him apart from a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's a, the absolute perfect way to put it. Um, but the reality is, I mean, you have a guy like Jalen Hurts that knows. I mean, he's moved around and he's had success. He he. I mean, he knows he, how to get the job done. Yeah. I mean, I look mean, at Oklahoma when people were like, "He's not going to be able to do anything." Like, then, all right, he's irrelevant now. Yeah. Then he's in the Heisman talks and he leads them to the playoffs. Of course, Oklahoma's defense, like we said earlier in the show, Garbo. is <laughs> a hot pile of flaming garbage. But <laughs> I mean, the offense, the offense of the if you remember from the from the uh, playoffs, they showed the 
description of uh, Oklahoma's offense compared to their defense, Oklahoma had like the number one or two offense in the country, but they had like the 45th yeah. defense in the country. So I think it was almost honestly worse. But yeah, I Jalen mean, Hurts knows what to do. So mm-hmm. I don't understand why they're taking so long to basically be like, let's give you a shot. Let's give you a lot more touches. Let's let you start the second half or take control of the first half, see how you do. And if not, then we'll put Carson in there. But they haven't yet. And that's what I don't understand. That's what I can't figure out because – Right now, Jalen is your best bet. You have no expectation. You don't really think that no one's expecting you to make the playoffs this year. No one's expecting you to do pretty well. So why not just let it? Why not just let it happen and let him get in the get a few snaps and get him comfortable for next year so he can get ready. I can guarantee you this: if the Eagles, if they still were three and seven, and a team like the Giants or Dallas or Washington, whichever of those teams you'd pick, would be like seven and four right now. And then pretty much locking up the playoff spot, you would be starting Hurts. But oh, yeah. the reality is, with how yes, bad yes, this yes. division is, that's just the the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, here here's what I'll I'll leave off. I guess on this point, that I understand why you still have, Wentz can do some great things on some on some great nights. We've seen that. I understand that. But those are few and far in between. Yes, you're never gonna know what Jalen Hurts is gonna do. If you don't put him in. Exactly. So And here's the thing. You're three and seven by starting Carson Wentz. So what do you why got n- to lose? What do you got to lose? The playoffs? It's sure. not like it's not like magically the Cow- I mean the Cowboys will probably win the division next year, but Billy like it's not like run the table. It's not like just saying they know it's not the like table. the Giants or, or Washington are somehow magically gonna be a great team next year and somehow get ten wins or something like that for when they come in for next year. So why not just like ju- yeah, I was gonna say Julius, Jalen, get in, get in the game, get some snaps, and get him ready for next year. Get him some more snaps. It's not that hard to do. Yeah, and he's a good quarterback. He's I got, think we'll have a we'll see a different dynamic if they pretty much get eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. We're gonna have to wait to see that. But um, another NFC East battle Thursday. Um, Washington defeated Dallas forty-one to sixteen. Washington. I mean, that's a pretty back and forth game. Washington just absolutely took over in the fourth quarter, twenty-one unanswered. Uh, Antonio Gibson was a monster. We talked about that on Friday. Um, some other games. Minnesota barely squeak, squeaked one out against the Panthers. Messed up my pick. Oh, well. Um, Cincinnati almost beat the Giants, but Giants sneak it out. Daniel Jones by two. Um, the Raiders? Uh, don't know what else to say. They forgot to get off the bus. I don't. I don't. They they played so poorly. That was just a flip. They game showed up and there's like Deion Sanders said. They showed up at the stadium. There's already thirty on the scoreboard. Exactly. So. I mean, yeah, that would be thirteen to six. That would yeah. Be, yeah. But a reality, bit closer. But your reality was forty three to six. Um, San Fran took took advantage of LA's atrocious offensive day with all many turnovers they had. Um, New Orleans took over, or I guess took yeah took over Colorado basically and. Um, I've, I feel as, so as well bad. as COVID took over here's, Colorado. Here's the, here's, the, here's the beef that I have with that situation. Okay, is when so what was it? Broncos lost like all their start, like basically their whole quarterback. Their whole quarterback room was in COVID protocol and could not play. Yeah, so game. they started a wide receiver who's never played quarterback since like college or something like that. Since college, he was the most experienced guy to play quarterback that they had around. Here's the thing about that: that I have a beef with that. When the Ravens were losing nine, lost nine starting players. They're like, let's let's take a break. Let's push back the let's push back the game a little bit. But when Denver loses all of their quarterbacks and has to start a guy who's basically never played an NFL game, who's a wide receiver, you're like, not no, this is fine. Let's keep doing it. I love this. Let's give the Saints an easy win. 
how like i just don't understand why that's even like why that was even accepted about how they didn't be like let's just push it back like a week or let's push it back a couple days see if like something goes on that way they can train him at quarterback a little bit more so he comes in and he's comfortable Mm-hmm. But you know that Broncos already were at a disadvantage when they play the Saints because it's the Broncos versus the Saints. Throw in a quarterback who's never played before, and it's basically game over. Because, I don't know, I just get so... I That's what I was annoyed about when I saw that they were going to go on with this game is that, like, Ravens, they have a couple guys missing. Stop the whole thing. Let's just take a break. But when Broncos have the same, basically the same situation, they're like, no, it's like, deal with it. Like... Sucks to be you, I guess. Yeah, the the thing with the Ravens is, is they had so many more than the Broncos. I mean, they had nine guys out, but still, I mean, all you of had, your all of your quarterbacks out, you can't really. You gotta basically be like, no, like we can't play. Like if all of our the NFL has to realize, like they can't play with no quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's gonna be. You're, it's you're gonna, gonna have be to game. understand that they're gonna have terrible ra- or. I, I don't know. Would it be terrible ratings or would it be through the roof ratings? I feel like people will be excited to see a quarterback. I feel like people will be excited to see a quarterback who's never played before and kind of see that. But, like, when you look at a game standpoint and before, it's like, there's no, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you playing this game? It makes no sense. I just get annoyed how, like, the Ravens were basically in the same spot and they just got special treatment just because I feel like they are a little bit more of a bigger team in the NFL right now than the Broncos are. Yeah, I mean, the last point I'll make on this game is anybody that um is throwing or throwing shade at Kendall Hinton, you need to really reevaluate yeah. because the fact is he's he's living out the he's living out like the in your dreams like when you are he, when he, you have to go to a test like in your dream where you haven't studied for it, or like you're on stage and like you forgot lines or something in a dream or something like that. That's basically what he's what happened to him. He had to go in there Basically, and play a position. Probably, he, he probably played. didn't even know the playbook too well because he's what four string quarterback or something learn, like that. He had to learn the whole. I mean, I wouldn't say like the whole scheme or anything. He probably had to learn. But he, quarterback to wide receiver is an absolutely huge difference. There's yeah, so much more. The skill set you need is different. The mindset you need is different. Not to mention the playbook is way different. And four. To understand like the schemes and also just like understand when you look at a defense and like you have to reckon that's the thing about NFL quarterbacks they can recognize defensive schemes so quickly and for him to basically come in and be like oh, I haven't done this since college he's what am I supposed to do he's not his job's not yeah. he he's gonna he's reading corners that's, and safeties on his side yeah he's not reading eleven guys he's you don't know that's not he, the same his thing. focus on his main job is to go for. It's to focus on one guy, get past him, and just get to open field, get open for his route so that he can get past you. And for people who can, who are saying like, "Oh, I could have done a better job," you probably could have because he just got thrown in there. He had to learn probably over half the playbook in less than two days, which is next to impossible, especially for an NFL playbook. For you to say like, "Oh, I could do that," impossible. Yeah, I, I mean. Yes, he. I understand he played quarterback in college, and he's he knows how to play it. But so did so did Denard Robinson play quarterback in college. But you see, where he went in the NFL, he didn't even play quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing. The it's fa- like yeah, the fact is, is the dude. College, he, he literally had here's the thing about that less than a day to prepare. College quarterbacks are way different too because NFL is the best of the best. College quarterbacks, you can have some guys who won't go on in the NFL or will probably not play next year because they'll get cut from the team or something that are playing against you. So you can take advantage of that inexperience or that less or that less skilled players. 
But when you get thrown in the NFL against arguably one of the better defenses in the league with the Saints, and you are just starting out your first start as an NFL quarterback after getting drafted as a or after coming into the league as a wide receiver and establishing that that's your spot. I mean, props to you, dude, for coming in and actually wanting to do that and stepping up and being the guy that was just like, you know what, like the team needs me right now, I'll do it. Don't no matter the backlash, like I'm just gonna do it. Sure, I I think he he deserves respect. More. Respect to him, honestly. Yeah. He needs more. He needs more credit for what he did because a lot of people wouldn't have did that. Um, Kansas City took care of Tampa Bay. Um, Tom Brady did pretty poorly. Um, question. How you gonna hear that from Travis from, from yeah. on Friday? Question on this is: Is it Brady's fault or Arian's fault? That one's really tough to tell because I mean, reality is, is this could go both ways. I feel like it's Patrick Mahomes' fault with four sixty-two. <laughs> I mean, that I, that's a pretty good reason why they lost that game. But um, Tyree Kill also had a monster day. Um, yeah, yeah. Tom Brady hasn't two seventy. Tom receiving. Brady hasn't really been playing to as like characteristically as he has been, especially with two TDs. Um, on the game, I you rarely see him throw one. And now that he's got, he's had a couple games where he's had two t- interceptions. Excuse me, two interceptions of for, for this year. And it's like, I don't know. It's just a situation where I don't think Tom Brady's just playing as good as he was in in the in Patriot Land. I guess you could say. Yeah, and I think the the big reason why the question is, is it the play calling with routes run by receivers, or is it Brady's real like connection with the receivers that's fading? Because a lot of those interceptions are there it's like the route is being ran wrong or he's throwing the wrong route is what a lot Mm. of it's been and a lot of it's come with mike evans especially with a lot of because when you looked at how he was with new england with edelman um you could even throw it back to amandola because if he throws to gronk his completion percentage way up through the roof and why chemistry yeah that's that's the one thing to do Especially for him being in the, in, I mean, we've talked about this already, and I feel like everyone's been able to hear this from ESPN and basically every analyst. It's just like him, like, I mean, he spent 20 years in pa- with the Patriots. He spent 20 years building relationships with those guys who were like, who, I mean, were his primary targets. And with for him basically just, the same coaching yeah, staff. And for him to just get thrown in, the, or not thrown in, but just for him this year to have new guys who he's not comfortable with and just to only have Gronk. I mean, he's, he is doing the best he can right now, but he's just playing uncharacteristic. And I think one of the main reasons is just that chemistry isn't there yet. And, I mean, he's just trying to figure out these guys. And I, once he does that, I feel like he's going to be back. But it is just a situation where Tom Brady's losing these games where he usually wouldn't lose. Yeah. So I think with, I mean, you you have that connection. Then you have a different, you go to a different team, you have a different scheme, different receivers. It's going to take time. Like, he... When the first time when he stepped in for Drew Bledsoe that season, he wasn't that great. I mean, he was great for coming in for a backup, but he wasn't like incredible. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't Tom Brady esque right now. No, it you takes, know what I mean? It takes time, so I think that's something that you'll definitely have yeah. to see. I feel like he's just starting back at square one at the moment. You a know, little bit, yeah. So uh, it's it's tough because I mean, is it the play calling? Sometimes probably yes. Is it sometimes Brady making bad throws to the wrong route or Evans running the wrong option on the route? Yes, but because I mean, a lot of those throws have been anticip- anticipatory throws where mm-hmm. he's he comes back for a curl. He was supposed to keep going on a post and he throws it over the top, right to the safety. Those types of things have led to a lot of interceptions. So. Tom's not playing like he usually has. I mean, he's been when he gets blitzed. Like, there's a lot of times he makes bad throws, and some of those times when the chemistry comes into play with receivers, because when you're with the when you have your receivers, 
when you're blitzed out of and getting out of the pocket, routes sometimes or routes a lot of the times go out the window. And mm-hmm. the fact is, what they do, that's something you have to learn over time. So that's what he learned in Tam- or in England or New England, and that's something he's gonna have to learn in Tampa Bay with those guys. So time will tell. Um, Green Bay beat the Bears because the Bears were the Bears. Um, Bears are fraudulent. Offensive played Garbo. So, <laughs> Have they not won a game since they went 5-1? and one? Nope. <laughs> Figures. Yep. So Bears need to figure out something. Um, I know one of my buddies that's a Bears fan, is, he's already talking about what we, they need to do for a new coordinator. Um, I think that's not a bad idea because right now it's not working. I think Nagy's a good, or a good head coach. Um, is he going to be the right guy moving forward? Time will tell. Who knows? So, Who knows? Yeah, but yeah. um, now going on to um a segment that I enjoy. Um, haven't done haven't done this one in a while. No. it's it's been a fat minute, Brandon. But you know, yeah, I, it's everybody's second favorite part of the show. It's not everybody's favorite part of the show, but it's everybody's second favorite part. It's killing me that you say that, but it's <laughs> it's okay. Joe's fact of the day is great, and it will return now next week. But my debate of the day. Um. I did some research um, uh, a week ago, and I was really intrigued now. I think everybody has, especially watching the NFC East. Um, the divisional race is pretty atrocious, and the fact is is it is close, like it always is, but none of the teams are playing well. So I wondered about the idea of what it would be like to have the d- divisions redrawn, and I think that is something that could be really intriguing. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. So obviously... um. Everybody knows the the current divisions for the most part, um, where everybody stands. Um, like the NFC East has Dallas, the Giants, the Jets, or not the Jets, whoa, the, the <laughs> Giants, the Eagles, and the football team. But um, what it would be like to have different divisions. And I kind of went through a geographical map, mapped out an idea for new divisions in the league. So I'm going to I'm gonna read some of them out loud for you. Um, and I just want to hear your guys' thoughts. So... The AFC East could become New England, Philadelphia, the Giants, and the Jets. Yes, the record would be a little bit, di- or would be pretty similar to what the, um, the NFC East is right now. But hey, it's a change. Yeah, it, it is a change. It's a change. So, um, AFC North: Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Cleveland, and the Detroit Lions. Wait, what? That would be. That'd actually be a pretty fun division. Um, yeah, we get killed, but we would get killed. Still be but right. it would be a fun division for everybody else to watch. Yeah. Um, the AFC South. This one is really intriguing to me. Um, starts off with the Saints, the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Texans, and the Dallas Cowboys. That one theoretically on paper looks pretty cool. That one actually doesn't look actually too terrible in my opinion. No. it's it's all. That one. It's all right. I feel like the Cowboys would probably be like the the welcome mat of that one where everyone's just stepping on them mm-hmm. and probably the Texans too at this point but like I feel it would be more like a uh, Tennessee Saints uh, division rather than anything yeah um the the West um is actually going to be pretty similar on uh, Kansas City um Las Vegas Denver but you have the change from the Chargers to the Cardinals instead so that kind of makes that a little bit more interesting as far as the top of it goes uh, NFC East um washington is the only team that would stay in there um you'd have baltimore carolina and cincinnati in that one and i the the afc nfc you could 
you could obviously flip. But I just kept the AFC and NFCs compared to what teams stayed for each division. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like I do. I do like the. I do like the East. Conferences, especially or the East divisions, especially since like the NFC lease is so bad, yeah. and that that honestly needs to change yeah. more than anything because each year it's just like, it's like why does Dallas why did why do you have New York, Washington, Philly all together, and then they have to go all fly all the way to Dallas? Yeah, to like that's not an e- like that's not even that's, a, that's like the central if anything, and like yeah just putting the they need to put Dallas like in the south or something like that because it makes no sense that they're in that especially since like it's such a not entertaining division to watch football in and it's more just like oh you had a pretty good season but you're still a garbage team like welcome to the playoffs see you in the first round like that's mm-hmm. about it like a team that goes five and whatever or like five and eleven or not even 500 can make the playoffs and then you're tossing that in and then there, there's teams like in the I think it's I forget if it's the NFC West or AFC West, which is like the Cardinals and like basically every single it's good. The NFC West. Yeah, which is like absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. And you have three teams that are over 500 and probably, or basically all four teams are over 500 by at least three or four games and two of those teams aren't going to make it. So I'll help you solve that. You change. <laughs> Funny you should ask that because yeah. I'll help you solve Funny it. you should ask that. So there's only one team I have switching from the West because obviously I said Arizona already. Yeah. Um, that change would be the Chargers. So then you'd have two, you'd have both LA team, or you would have um, LA, San Diego. You'd have both LA teams. San Francisco. There. Yep. So you'd have all West Coast teams. Um, then the South, Tampa Bay, Atlanta stay. Then you add Jacksonville, Miami, basically make it the Florida division plus the, plus the Falcons. But I mean, theoretically on paper, that one looks like the most like, I feel like that would actually division. be, I feel like that would actually be like a pretty cool like division to watch, especially because you can have like the, you can, basically make like unofficial championships where it's like basically like best team in florida or yeah. something like that like where yeah, you actually college. can say that because like you know because jacksonville's miami's not in the same division as jacksonville and the buccaneers right they're in two opposite ones because like yeah. you can say like oh like we're the like we're the best team in florida because we got the best record but it's like well you haven't played the, all the teams in florida so you can't really yeah. say that you're the best so right. like it would make each, it a lot interesting it'll be like a cool like little kind of like side trophy that you could hand out which is like the florida like florida cup or something yeah. like that which would actually be a pretty cool little side thing yeah and then the last one is the nfc north only one change uh detroit is out um and then you guys are like whoa what who would change uh it'd be the colts it it makes kind of it, mm-hmm. it would if there if detroit or any if any of the nfc teams if one had to move indianapolis is pretty much the next best thing yeah. to get thrown in because indianapolis to me really kind of fits the similar mold to like chicago and green bay of yeah. how, how football is run there because kind of i don't want to say detroit is an outlier but indianapolis fits the the nfc north i feel like a little bit more yeah nfc north is more detroit. i feel like a defense and a it's like hard nosed football. Yeah, basically. it's it's like old school football, yeah. kind of like what our dads used to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like the best division. Because like I mean, or one of the best, I should say. Every other one is kind of just like passing and stuff like that, or running and and like kind of more like uh, finesse type football. But this one is just like hit it hard, hit hard. You know what I mean? Boom, boom, boom. You hit them harder, then you do that every but, play. Speaking, speaking, this is kind of off title, but have you ever seen the commercial of like the of the NFL from like the eighties? Which which one are you referring to? It's like okay, so like they like it was basically like explosions in the background, and like there's like face masks and like horse collars and like clipping and like there was like one where a guy went up for a pass and a guy took out his legs oh, and he yeah, landed yeah, like yeah, on yeah. his head, and I was like, dude, I would love to see that football, 
but everything that they did, like, is it illegal in the like, oh, yeah. NFL? Oh, yeah. There'd be so Which many. sucks because, like, the NFL in, is starting to get soft, in the my injury? opinion. We can have that discussion another time. But, like, I don't know. It's just crazy to see, like, what actually pa- – before, like, all the studies of, like, CTE and, like, um like concussions and, like, that stuff on the brain and even just, like, regular uh, injuries, like, just, like, all those studies that happen. It's just funny to see, like <laughs> – what actually used to go down in the NFL and what they were used to, and just to see, like, wow, so how? You, so, yeah, if they had that type of football, I feel like the the roster list and then the injury reserve list would probably flip flop. <laughs> you have to check it, you have to, list, you have to check your fantasy team, like, healthy. you have to check your fantasy team, like, each week to make sure, like, you have enough players that aren't on <laughs> yeah. injury reserve or whatever, exactly. But, um, that is going to wrap up our show. We we apologize for running late, but we were having good discussions. So it's just a great day in the studio. We can't help it. We yeah. have fun over here. We're having so much fun. We hope you guys are having fun listening. So don't forget to follow us at the MVSP on Twitter. Um, send us send us a message if you want to be on the show. Um, we're gonna we're gonna really try to be in the studio as much as we can over this holiday um, holiday break approaching, um, going through December and um, starting January. Mm-hmm. So. Um, let us know. Um, we're we're gonna make sure we keep doing this safely, and if that means virtually, we're gonna do virtually because content will never content stop. is king. So content is king. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Take care, everybody.